Amen. That song is based off of the Heidelberg Catechism. The first question of the Heidelberg Catechism says, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I'm not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And the answer goes on. It's like a whole paragraph long, but it's a beautiful statement. So I encourage you to look that up. It's the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one. And that song is uh, beautifully reflecting that truth for us. Please take your Bible to the and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. We started the series two weeks ago, and it starts off with an unusual statement for us, and that is that everything in life is a vanity or is enigmatic, is confusing to us, and is a passing vapor, is a passing shadow. And so then after Solomon makes that statement in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, that everything is vanity, He then tests that statement to see if it's true. And so in the first statement, he said, well, let's see if that's true about work. And basically what he said is, what is the point of all of the work that I do? I'm going to die one day, and no one's going to remember that I contributed to this project or to this factory or to this construction site or anything else. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to be a vapor. Well, maybe he thought in the second paragraph, basically, that Israel preached last week, maybe if you pursue wisdom and knowledge, and you can learn enough and become wise enough, maybe that'll make a difference. No, that all is a vapor. It's like trying to catch the wind over and over again. That's what it feels like to live a wise life and a life full of knowledge. And now in our third passage today, our third paragraph today, he's going to test this statement one more time. Life is a vanity. Well, let's see. Maybe I can pursue pleasure enough. Maybe I can have enough pleasure in my life and that'll make a difference. Let's read this passage and see how that worked out for our author here. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, It is mad. And of pleasure, What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun." About 15 years ago, NFL quarterback Tom Brady was interviewed on 60 Minutes. And in the course of describing the hardships of his life and the successes of his career, he was describing how when he was in high school, he was the second-string quarterback on the freshman team. 
And then finally, in college, he was the seventh out of seven quarterbacks on Michigan's roster and had to work his way all the way up to sixth, to fifth, to finally, who was basically the second quarterback, where another guy who had hardly any NFL career at all was the starting quarterback. And this was all while he was at, at a great uh, football program in Michigan. And then finally, he was drafted in the sixth round. Every NFL team passed on him over and over and over again. And he's pushed through all this adversity he's describing and, and all of these slights. And he says, I just constantly have a chip on my shoulder because all these people look at me as not being good enough. And now he's saying, and now I have three NFL Super Bowl rings. And then he said, why do I have three NFL Super Bowl rings? And I still think to myself, there's got to be more than this out there. And the, the person interviewing him, I don't remember the name of the, the interviewer, but he said, well, well, what do you think the answer is? And he said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. What Tom Brady was expressing was you can have everything in life and still feel like you have nothing. And that's exactly what Solomon was expressing here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I have been to the top, and I'm here to tell you, it's not what it's cracked up to be. In this passage, Solomon is telling us that the passing pleasures of this life will never satisfy you. He tried it himself, and he's here as this wiser, older man now to tell you, don't do it. Don't look for your satisfaction in life in the pleasures you can bring to yourself. And he's certainly talking about bringing pleasures to yourself because if you look through this brief passage we just read, I mean, in, in light of the length of this whole book, this is a fairly small paragraph, and he talks about himself over 40 times in this paragraph using words like I and my and mine and myself and even the word you and yourself, but talking to himself about it. And so over and over again, he's talking about himself. And he's basically asking himself, how do you find happiness? Maybe you've seen bumper stickers that try and fill in the blank on that. Happiness is puppies. Yeah, right. I've got something else to tell you about that. Or happiness is, you know, you fill in the blank. And what Solomon is saying is, it's not anything that you can achieve or gain or accomplish in this life. This passage is laid out somewhat unusually in that the first couple of verses and the last several verses match each other. That's not that unusual across the scope of the Bible, but what he's going to do is in the middle of all of those opening statements and closing statements is tell you what he pursued, what pleasures he pursued, and then he's going to tell you in the first couple of verses and the last couple of verses the exact same statement, which is these things don't satisfy. And so let's see what he sought to accomplish and then look at his conclusion at the beginning and the end together. So he he sought to enjoy at least four different kinds of pleasures. And the first is in verse 3, where he says, I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. Maybe if I drink just enough alcohol, it'll take that edge off for me, and then I can really feel like I can enjoy my life. There are people around the world who will tell you that is not the answer you're looking for. doesn't necessarily keep them from going back to it, night after night or day after day. But people will tell you, this is not the answer. I tried to take the edge off with alcohol and it did not do the job, Solomon says. 
Perhaps he was only drinking a little bit, saying, my heart was still guiding me with wisdom. So he wasn't getting too carried away, but it still didn't accomplish what he was hoping for. He said he wanted to see, in in the end of verse 3, what was good for the children of man to do under heaven, which is similar to what he says constantly throughout this book, describing under the sun. And what that's referring to is life in a fallen planet. Remember, you go back to Genesis 3, and this whole book is a meditation, a lengthy meditation on what it means to live under the sun, live on this fallen planet, in this fallen world. And then he says it's he was trying to do this during the few days of their life, what children of man should do under the few days, uh, during the few days of their life. And you might say, come on, I'm, the average life expectancy, let's say it's 80 years old. I don't exactly know. Well, 80 years means that you live for about 29,000 days. That's actually not that many days. When you zoom out and think about the scope of history, when you consider, I did this math last night, thank you, phone calculator, Solomon lived a million days ago, just over a million days ago. Well, that's a lot of days. And I live for, say, 29,000 days if you live a full life, what we in America consider a full life at 80 years. You live 29,000 days as opposed to the million days that have passed since Solomon wrote this. So yeah, we, we live a few days. And Solomon's saying, during the few days of your life, what will satisfy you? Well, it's not going to be alcohol but maybe I can try something else. Maybe I can try accomplishments. And so he says, I made, in verse 4, great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. So I made, so he's saying, I, I tried to make a beautiful environment to live in. It would be like living at Cantini. That's a beautiful place around here. Or a botanical garden. Those are beautiful places. And having all kinds of people there to to keep up with how difficult it would be to make that place beautiful and stay beautiful all the time. What you notice when you read through those couple of verses there, though, is that what Solomon is doing is taking the very vocabulary from Genesis 1 and 2, the story of creation, and he's repackaging it. It's like he's trying to create his own garden of Eden. I planted trees, I had fruits, I had gardens, garden of Eden. All these words that are showing up in Genesis 1 and 2 are here shown up in Ecclesiastes 2. Trying to say, I made myself a beautiful place. I could do it myself. In the garden of Eden, though, there were rules. Here, no rules. As they said, out back steakhouse, just right, right? So no rules, just right. And what he'll conclude in the uh, closing paragraph is that wasn't really satisfying either. When he says, I bought male and female slaves in verse 7 and had slaves who were born in my house, what he's saying is there was so much work to do in my beautiful little garden or planet of my own creation that I needed all the help I could get. And so maybe if I'm the CEO of a huge organization, I have hundreds of thousands even, employees under me, maybe that'll be satisfying. Solomon's saying, no, that's not going to cut it either, as Jeff Bezos would tell you, who probably has more employees than anybody else we can think of at this point in life. And even in his desire to have the best kind of fruit trees, what we have to realize is, you know, we actually have it pretty good too ourselves. Solomon would probably be somewhat envious of living the way we do today. 
even if you're just looking at this statement here about getting the best foods. There's a guy who worked at our, uh, who was a member of our church in Alabama who worked at a local grocery store called Publix, which is a very nice grocery store in the South. And uh, one Sunday we were spending Sunday afternoon lunch or Sunday evening dinner with him and his wife. And I said, so it was February, kind of a gray, cold-ish February day in Alabama. And I said, so where are you guys getting your produce from these days? And he said, wherever we need to. We get the best we can from wherever in the world. I said, so if I went to, to Publix today to go buy an apple, where's that apple coming from? He said, Chile. That's where the best place to get apples from in February is. And I said, all right, so let's say I, got, I bought that apple. When was that apple picked? And he said, yesterday morning. I just thought, what? But basically, it's picked in the morning, put in a box, put on an airplane, sent to Atlanta, driven to the little town in Alabama we lived in. And there's your apple. Picked the day before. Best apple you could find in the world is available to you for probably $1.50. The nicest ones they have. Solomon would probably be kind of jealous, don't you think? I mean, there were probably seasons of the, of the year where you couldn't get the best apples or the best grapefruits or whatever else he was looking for. I'm sure Clayton can attest to these kinds of things. If you want to get the best fish or you want to get the best hamburger meat or you want to get best chicken or whatever else, it's all available if you're willing to pay for it. And Solomon's saying, I could have paid for it, but it wasn't all available to him the way it is to us. We have Amazon Prime. I know I just bashed Jeff Bezos, but still, uh, you have everything at your fingertips, and you can get it the next day if you want it. In some places, you can get it the very same day, within a few hours. Solomon moves on to say, well, maybe besides accomplishments, having these great gardens, maybe being wealthy will give you what you want. His third category here. I gathered for myself uh, the middle of verse 7, I had great possessions of herds and flocks. Again, that benefits you by what you can eat and what you can drink. The best, freshest milk and so forth. I had more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. All of these possessions he could have. Completely available to him at any time. And then the pleasures of life. So he says, I got singers, both men and women. Again, don't you think he'd be envious of having Apple Music or Amazon Prime streaming music? You could listen to any song you want at any time of the day. Surely his singers had to sleep at some point. But he says, I had both men and women to sing to me at any time, to play me a tune at any time. And then he says, and I had many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. That word concubines is basically a translation meaning, I had every woman I wanted for my own pleasure. I used women for their body whenever I wanted. What Solomon said after all of these experiences, he has beautiful accomplishments, he has alcohol he has possessions, and he has pleasures. These four, the physical pleasures of life. I had all four of these, and none of them did the job. None of them satisfied. Maybe if we listen to people in our own day describe their pursuit of pleasure, we would come to the same conclusion. If you listen to an honest Hugh Hefner, or an honest Michael Jordan, or an honest Wilt Chamberlain, who himself 
described the conquests, so to speak, of his sexual life and said basically there were no limits to what he could do. And then you talk to someone like Jeff Bezos who has an unseemly amount of money and ask them if it satisfies. And they will say the same thing that Solomon is saying. And this is because, as Augustine says, our hearts, or said in about the year 400, our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you, Lord. C.S. Lewis described human life as being the long, sad story of trying to find happiness anywhere but in God. But he says that will never happen because it's impossible to find happiness anywhere but in God. And this seems to be what Tom Brady was describing for us. Talk about someone else in football, Steve McMichael, one of the greatest bear linemen of all time. And last week, the, the news came out that he's, uh, that he's dying, essentially, uh, of uh, Parkinson's, if I remember correctly. And people were shocked at the way he looked and, and the way he's now just a, a fraction of the size that he once was. And, and he's describing in this, in this interview with, I think, WGN or somebody like that local, he was saying, you know, I'm glad I had all the pleasures I had back then because I can't have them now. But what he's doing, I mean, as I, as I listened to that interview last week, I thought, this is Ecclesiastes playing itself out. He had all the strength, he had all the fame, he had all the money, and now he's shriveled up and he's dying just like we will. And Solomon himself from the grave would say, yes, this is how it works. The problem isn't that he was pursuing pleasure. You know what's going to be striking is next Sunday, if you've looked at your sermon card, the next Sunday's sermon is called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. Because Solomon is going to tell you, enjoy what God has given you as gifts. The problem with what Solomon was doing here was not that he was having the pleasures of life. It was that he was being selfish with them. Again, going back to the fact he talks about himself something like 40 or 45 times. And he was doing it in an idolatrous way making these the end of life, the goal of life, the purpose of life. And when we turn the passing pleasures of life into what life is about, we are worshiping something we were never intended to worship. This is exactly what Solomon would urge us to do today, is to repent of our idolatry, of our desire to find our joy and our hope in something other than Christ. Jeremiah talks about the same problem of idolatry. In chapter 2, verse 13, says, For my people have committed two evils, the Lord says. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus met a person like this in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And she had tried all the pleasures of life and all the relationships of life. And Jesus told her, you're not satisfied because you're going to this kind of well where they're sitting at the moment to find your water. But if you would ask me, I would give you living waters, quoting from Jeremiah 2.13 here, the fountain of living waters. If you would come to me, I would give you living waters that will spring up into eternal life, as Revelation tells us, the latter chapters of Revelation. So Jesus is building off of this idea that you can look for satisfaction all over in your life, and you will never find it because you're looking for it for your own sake, for your own pleasure's sake. Solomon tells us how this worked out for him. The opening verses say, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself, 
What's his conclusion? Behold, this also was vanity. And then the last verse, verse 11. Let's go to verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. My heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. There's that phrase again, under the sun. There's nothing to be gained in this fallen planet, on this fallen earth. All was vanity. The idea that life is an enigma, it's confusing, it's a vapor, it passes away. This is what James says in James 4, what is your life? It's a vapor that is here for a moment and then vanishes away. When you drive by a cemetery, this is what you are seeing in living color, that life is a vapor and then it is gone. So how should we live? One author, Matt McCullough, who's a pastor in Nashville, talks about this passage it says, perhaps you'd be happier if this were true of your life, what, he, what Solomon's describing here in Ecclesiastes 2. Have you considered that you may be living his experiment and not know it? If you belong to the American middle class, you can get affordable and exotic food from all over the world, and you don't have to go to some specialty food store to get it. You can get these things at many corner gas stations. You may not live in a palace surrounded by elaborately designed parks, but you probably live in a house with more space than you need with plenty of parks close at hand. You don't have servants, but chances are you have the money to pay people to do at least some of the work you aren't able or don't want to do. We pay lawyers to represent us. We pay doctors to care for us. We pay professionals to prepare our taxes, and at least on some occasions, chefs to prepare our food. And though the harem of concubines isn't common in the West, The tragic proliferation of internet pornography means that perhaps no society has ever had more opportunities for more people to pursue wide-ranging sexual experiences than ours does. The preacher's list begins to sound a bit more like a description of middle-class life, does it not? And we could add to our list a host of opportunities he couldn't have imagined. We have air conditioning most of the time. Uh, We have international travel. We have access to advanced medical care, not just life-saving treatments, but drugs to take away discomforts previous generations took for granted as part of life. He goes on to say, he's never been to Disney World, he's never been to Las Vegas, he's never been to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Think about what we have, and we ultimately realize we have everything Solomon had. So how should we live? Stop looking for your satisfaction in the passing pleasures life. Only Christ will satisfy. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well. That's what he means by coming to him, the fountain of living waters. Don't drink this nasty, tepid water from this well any longer. Don't look for the pleasures of life to satisfy you. They never will. Tom Brady went on to win four more, hopefully no more, but four more Super Bowls than he did at the point of that interview in 2015. Uh, in 2005, I should say. He's won seven Super Bowls, and he's still playing, unless he chooses to retire this summer. Why does he keep playing? Because in that same interview, they asked him, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring so far? The next one. The next one's the one I'll really like. Does that not sound like Ecclesiastes chapter 2. 
And one day, Tom Brady is going to be laying in a grave just like the rest of us. And he's going to say, it was all vanity. It was all a passing shadow. Church family, I urge you, turn to Christ for your satisfaction, not to the passing pleasures of life. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, would you drive us to believe this truth, that you are the only one who satisfies, that at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Would you drive us to repentance of looking to our relationships, our accomplishments, our bank accounts, what's on our plate or what's in our drink, what we view, what we experience, Drive us to repentance of looking to all these places for our joy and cause us to see the joys that are found at your right hand. We pray this in Christ's name.